Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Good morning. It's Saturday morning. This is David Held, and you're listening to News Talk 1480 WHBC. And I thought this would be the greatest song to introduce our next next guest. It's the president of Walsh University, Tim Collins. And his background before he became the president of Walsh University is that he was a uh, combat pilot in the U.S. Air Force. And he has over 4,000 hours, 260 hours behind, 4,000 hours flying, 260 combat hours. And uh, he is a Purple Heart and also a Bronze Star uh, and uh, just a lot of experience, and now he's bringing all that experience to our young people at Walsh University. And uh, President Walsh, how are you? Or President President Tim, how are you this morning? <laughs> Mr. Mayor, swords up, swords up. Danger Zone, that is my song, so it's great to see you. You love that song, huh? I figured you'd like that, right? Yep, that's it. That's Top it. Gun. You're doing great. Thank you. Now, um, so you got a lot of young people that are just, um, there, there's... I mean, I, I think it's got to be much difficult, much more difficult growing up now than it was back when I was growing up, when you were growing up. I mean, there just seems there's so much more distraction. Uh, do, do you agree with that? And what, what are you doing to, to equip these young people? Yeah, David, you know, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you this morning about, you know, what we're doing at Walsh University and how we're thinking about this, this challenge we have in teaching our students. You know, you might say, I guess some people do say they think it's harder teaching in the past. I, I disagree with that. I think it's always been difficult, but it's more difficult if you don't understand them. Mm-hmm. And as long as you are trying your best to understand your students, it's like any complex problem. If you break it down, if you reverse engineer it to its smallest pieces and understand the parts and pieces, then it actually becomes a lot easier. So as we think about that with this generation, I can recall back in 2018, I had read a Harris poll, and it talked about 66% of the adults then had a negative emotion when they thought about what is the future of our Generation Z, which is the generation we're talking about right here, those that are like in college today. And 64% of those adults thought that these kids would not be ready for adulthood when they reached it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, what are we going to do about that? And think about this for a second and tie it back to that poll. You know, in this cheating scandal we had, Felicity Huffman was one of the big actresses involved in that, this national cheating scandal. She spent 14 days in jail for that. And I can remember reading a report that her daughter's reaction, which broke the family, was really only like six words. And she said, Mom, why didn't you believe in me? Yes. And, I, and so I think that that really goes a lot to help us understand here at Walsh, the kind of students we have. So I think, you know, when I think about what are the markers of today's generation, what are those things that these students today in college today are noted for? I think we have to say agency and anxiety are two of their big motions. They're high on agency and they're very high on anxiety. We've made them a lot like that. So this particular generation, let's think about it. These are the ones that are born after the towers came down. 
They came along with Homeland Security, so basically from 2001 forward. And they're a generation that has been raised by parents, you know, the Buster, the, the Buster is what they call them, the Gen Z kind of parents, you know, keep it real, life is hard, but we want to make sure that you have what you need. And so in many ways, what we've done to them is we've postponed and penalized them in a way because we've created a victim mindset that if something doesn't go exactly the way they think it should go mm-hmm. as they cruise into adulthood, then they feel like there's no way forward, and they're not sure what to do about that. So I call this the hoping and coping generation. They're the ones that are, you know, just kind of thinking about, okay, this is. I hope I hope something comes along and helps me out with this, helps me along, and meanwhile I just have to cope with that. So the way that translates in the classroom is for our teachers everywhere. If there's any teachers listening up on the on the radio here with the mayor this morning, these students they actually don't need information. Mm-hmm. They're saturated with information. Mm-hmm. They're on their phones in the classroom, not, you know, texting their friends necessarily, but they're checking you out. They're checking out <laughs> right. the information that you're giving them. But right. What they need is not the information. They need interpretation. How is it that they are supposed to think about that? So we need to be aware of that. The three, as we think about their agency and anxiety, I think there's three traits that are pretty common with this generation, believe it or not. Now, when you say agency, what do you mean by agency, agency and anxiety? Yeah, so agency is this idea that they want to have the power, the capacity, the condition to actually make something happen, to get to an end, to achieve. You know, in in the culture, they say, you know, to exert power. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think this is about power. I think it's about power for some, but not for that generation. Mm-hmm. But, but what they want to do is they actually, they do want to make a difference. And, but their experience has been, has been completely different than the rest of us. So, for instance, you know, if you're a parent and Johnny or Sally has forgot their lunch and you're on your way to take lunch to school, I would beg you, turn around, go home. Let them deal with this. Let them learn some problem mm-hmm. solving. Let's not solve it for them because they're sitting around right now hoping and coping somebody brings me lunch and they're not sure what to do. Mm-hmm. And so they, they need to learn these skills. And they do this actually as we talk, as I'm talking about, not, not necessarily through a lecture, but they they learn through experience yes. like we've like we've never learned. So I'll give you another example of that. If it, big big time in the culture right now, what's your why? You know, why are you doing something? What's your justification? What is it that motivates you? I'm sure your listeners, I'm sure you've heard this before, David. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to teach this generation about what's your why, you have two choices. You can stand up in a lecture hall and teach them about it, which I think will fall on pretty much deaf ears, or Take them to a cemetery. Let them read some tombstones. Mm -hmm. Let them sit there for 10 minutes and think about it. And now let's have the conversation. What are people going to say when they're standing here at your tombstone? And that can lead you right into the whole conversation of how to live your why. Yes. And so it's it's a different way. So is it more difficult than previous generations? I think it's only more difficult if you don't take the time to really understand who these students are how they've been raised. You know, there's a book that came out in 2018. They updated it in uh, 2021. You know, for your readers, you know, here at Walsh University, we are into education for life. 
and reading is a good way to do that. So it's called The Coddling of the American Mind. And it was written by a sociologist and a First Amendment expert. And they identify three major terrible ideas that the kids today have been raised with. And those are what you know doesn't kill you, makes you weaker, you trust your feelings, and life's a battle between good and evil. And they make the point that maybe those are actually not true. But if you've been taught to think those are true, how does that influence the way they think and the way they go about getting their education? Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that when we think about this Gen Z, you know, we've had for the first time in American history, David, seven generations of Americans that are alive right now, all the way from our 90-year-olds, you know, we're born back in, you know, the 20s, you know, be grateful for a job, you know, respect others. They went through the whole pandemic thinking, okay, this is our third one, let's go. Um, and we get all the way to the other end, you know, through all these different ones to our, our Gen Z kids, those that are born after 9-11. Um, you know, in our classrooms now, we've got our, our Gen X, which are the people that say, keep it real, you know, life is hard. And we have our Gen Y people that are just now coming along, our coaches on our campus. You know, life's a cafeteria, man. Let's do something that suits your taste. <laughs> right. So, right. These are all these all conflict with each other. So if you only have the lens of me and my experience, then yes, sir, it's going to be very difficult to teach this generation what they need to know. Gallup poll, I think, says that 80% of them have not worked outside the home. So they haven't had the experiences that others have had. So, And we go back to that 2018 poll. Are they going to be ready for adulthood? Well, here at Walsh University, we need to make sure they're ready for adulthood. Yes, exactly. We understand with what they come in the door with and what they come in without so we can fill that kit bag for them and get them ready to go. So when you go into a room, okay, uh, I, re- I remember when uh, we had uh, some of the neighborhood kids. This was back when I was... Uh, gosh, maybe 10 years ago, and uh, we had new neighbors move in. And I said, um, yeah, we got new neighbors moving in. And I said, do you know, uh, you know, do they have any kids? How old are they? And the, the one kid goes, oh, they're old. I think they're 30, right? And so perception of age is much different depending on who you're talking to. So when you go in uh, and you're talking to this young group of people, how, how have you found is, is an immediate way to connect with them? Yeah, well, the, the most immediate way is you start with a problem. You don't start with, you know, a lecture. You don't start with, you know, here's your curriculum. Here's all the courses you're going to take. Um, you know, these are kids that are wondering about their relevance. You know, they're learning on a need-to-know basis. Mm-hmm. And what they really want to do is they want to find a problem and then wrap their arms around it and then build something to address that problem. So I start with a problem. I understand it's about relationships, right? Relationships actually become the information that they need to facilitate the interpretation that you need to make for them. And it accelerates their learning. See, we're trying to build bridges of relationships that can help us kind of get across this weight of, you know, honest disclosure or truth, however you want to talk about that. It's the perception perception in it. And then as the conversation turns, what I really want to make sure I'm aware of is two things, David. The first thing is, you know, from our perspective at Walsh University, we want them not to rent their education, but we want them to own their rent, their education. Yes, yes. So, so we want to do a practice here. It's called metacognition. And basically, we want to make sure they know how, to, how they learn, how they learn themselves. So we have to draw that out. You draw that out in problem solving. You draw that out in this relationship. And I think one other thing that comes to mind every time I step into a room, particularly a room that's cross-generational, 
mm-hmm. which we have now. You know, everybody from me kind of on one end, I'm in my, my early 60s, you know, all the way to these 18-year-olds. I don't know if your listeners have heard of something called the Rotter Scale, but, but Dr. Rotter was a psych, uh, psychologist, I guess he was. And in the 1950s, he developed something he called the Rotter Scale, and it was trying to look at how do we predict behavior. And he centered this on control, or where is the control? Mm-hmm. And so there's two types of control. There's internal and external, you know, simply. And internal says, I'm responsible and I'm responsible for my own life. External is somebody else is responsible. And since 2002, across America, we've seen steep increases in this external control. I'm sorry, increases and steep decreases in the internal control. Someone else is going to solve this for me. I so see. on the Rotter scale, when I'm in this room, I'm talking to people that over time, since this generation was born, has more and more and more become less and less convinced that they have control of their own lives and I see. on somebody else. And it's so just not it's just not the case. I mean, you, you know this when you were training young pilots. I mean, it's it's like they make the wrong decision. They could kill themselves or kill other people. Absolutely. So they have to own that. And so when I talk to the young kids, you know, I think about that. These young students, you know, these the problem, the relationships. I think about, you know, you got to own this thing. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to teach. You know, in the flying world, we teach a lot with visuals. Um, I think visual learning is a great way to learn. It's a great way to form good habits. It's a great way to, re, you know, record retention, to, you know, to anchor it in something. You know, if you talk about a diamond and you say, you know what, a diamond is just a piece of coal and there's carbon inside. But underneath pressure, that coal turns into something really sharp and sparkling. Then you can have a whole conversation with these students about what's it mean to live with pressure. Pressure makes you better. Yes, so absolutely. Do it. The pressure. And now it, it's been said that uh, when you were first president that you went over to the scales where the football players were weighing in and then uh, challenged them to a push-up contest, right? I mean, you, you were right yeah, there. That's right. So how did that go? I mean, there's a new president standing there and the coach is saying, hey, you're a little bit overweight. Or, hey, you need to get a little bit bigger. And what were you saying to these young men? Yeah, well, I wasn't saying anything. I gave them a visual. How come I can do more push-ups as a 16-year-old than you can as a 21-year-old football player? Come on, let's get it going here. That's true. That's true. You're outperforming them, but you're giving them a model, man. It's like this old old guy is outperforming me. Right, but isn't that exactly what our primary responsibility is to our society and to those generations that follow us? is we're supposed to model for them how it is they are to be so they can be better than we are. Yes, right. You're not, it's not like you're sitting back eating a cheeseburger and you're, you know, out of shape yourself and saying, yeah, you should do this. No, you're like, come on, I'll do it with you. I'm going to come along right, beside come you. Because I'd rather have the experience with them than have them listen to the lecture. So true. So, so true. Dr. Tim Collins, well, thank, you think, for, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Go ahead. Please share. Please share. No, I was just, just going to say for all of, our, all of our listeners out there, you know, our youth today are basically underexposed to real-world applications. So whatever you can do, wherever you are, however you come across these students, you know, in the mall, at work, wherever, think about giving them an opportunity to apply something and give them exposure to that. And, you know, here at Walsh University, we have our first students in Ireland, and they're learning that now. Our commencement speaker is coming this year. We just announced it. It's Archbishop Warda from Iraq, and he is the international leading voice on persecution of Christians. And he talked to us. 
through this underexposed. We're underexposed to what's going on in the world and how to apply it. And then we're coming into our soiree, our Southern soiree at the end of August, where we have an opportunity to come together as a community to raise funds to help students that no other way can get this done and bring to them the college experience and education that we all need to make America bigger, better, stronger. Education for Life, Walsh University, North Canton, Ohio. David, thanks for having me. Thank you. President Tim Collins, Walsh University. A lot of information on uh, the young people and the challenges they face, and, and he's got the experience. He knows what he's doing.